You're listening to Healing Conversations, a podcast full of healing stories for everyone. Brought to you by One Mission, a childhood cancer charity who does whatever it takes to get kids through cancer treatment. To learn more about me, Ashley Hasiotis, visit theunspokenbook.com. And to learn more about One Mission, visit onemission.org. That's O-N-E-M-I-S-S-I-O-N.org. In season two, you'll hear from so many amazing people on topics that hit home for everyone, from transgender issues, adoption, domestic violence, how men heal, childhood cancer, chronic pain, and so much more. You will be filled with hope for your own healing journey after listening to these stories. Let's dig in. Welcome back, everyone, to One Mission's Healing Conversation podcast. I am so excited for today's guest. Eric is a longtime friend of mine, and the stuff that he is doing today is going to literally move you. And without further ado, welcome, my friend, Eric. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited being with you, um, long friends and, you know, journey mates in, in our growth process and how we've evolved over the years and coming back together to share on the work that we're both doing is amazing. So yeah. I'm really excited to be here with you today and share some of the thoughts and, you know, places I've been on my journey for sure. Yeah. Oh my God, I can't wait. To kick us off, I yeah. think it would be behoove all of us to just you know, look, we all have a story, right? That's the reality. And I think it's really common for women to share our stories. Well, more common, I should say more common. More common for women to just kind of have a woe and for another woman to be like, I totally get you girl, blah, blah, blah. Very rare for men to be able to share in their vulnerability. So I think honestly, that's your superpower. Briefly, can you tell us in your own words a little bit about like your healing journey and where you started and where you think you are today? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think when I go all the way back to where things started, I find that I always end up starting with my time at school Mm -hmm. and having a significant learning disability and how that impacted me later in life, how I dealt with people emotionally and what my self-esteem was like. And what, what ended up happening in that process was that as I struggled in school, I was aware that other people eventually like started to give up on me. And then there was a point in my life young where I started to give up on myself. And I think that this happens to a lot of kids that struggle. And then we lose this precious commodity that humans need so much, which is hope. And when we lose that hope, we kind of get lost and we start transferring those behaviors as we get older into our communication skills with partners and how we deal with ourselves, right? And and then this whole blame and shame thing really starts to evolve. For me, that's kind of the source of a lot of the issues that, that happened to me. And I was one of the lucky people who had the light shined on that. And I was able to kind of slowly work my way to a path of realizing what had happened in the past, which, as you know, a lot of people would look at as trauma, mm-hmm. right? So we have these micro traumas and then we have these macro traumas, but all of those traumas pile up and impact us in a way that has everything to do with how we relate with the world and who we are today. 
100%. Yeah. So for me, I think coming to terms with some of those traumas, being able to look at them in a reflective way, which sometimes we call being the watcher, mm-hmm. which means, you know, we, we are able to go back at, to things that maybe happened to us in the past. And this is, I think, a part where you were talking about that many men fear doing, going back to the past, looking at things that maybe they did to others or that were done to them. And having a reflective perspective on it where our emotions are not triggered, but we look at those traumas with a empathetic eye to both ourselves and others, and then begin this healing process of saying, okay, at that time, I was probably doing the best that I could. And those around me, even if they were hurting me, may have been doing the best that they could. And when we can release some of that anger, sadness, and shame, that is the beginning to me of the healing process. And I think if more men could engage in that process of looking at their past and finding pathways of healing, that they would be much better partners, friends, and humans in this world. Oh, my goodness. Um drop the mic we're done podcast is over so much to unpack there so you you said one thing that i was like oh my gosh don't forget this what was that light when did that light get shed on wow my past is really impacting my present moment yeah so i think for me before i even knew about the spiritual work it started shining a light on me when i would go out into nature okay Right. So when I would spend time in the woods or hiking in in the in the sound of the world got more quiet, Mm -hmm. it allowed me to do more self-reflective thinking. It's really the thing that keeps people from meditating. It's what we call like the monkey mind. Right. That keeps spinning and ruminating. But when we get out into nature, there is just this natural response to slow our minds down. I think that's why when people are hurt or feeling like they're just at their lowest point, you notice people go to the mountains, they go to the beach, they go to the lakes and the rivers. And there's no, that's not a coincidence. It's because there is a moment there where we can reconnect with what we call the more than human world and really weave ourselves into the fabric of everything. Mm-hmm. And once that happened, I started getting more curious about this calming, quiet mind. And then through yoga practice, meditation, and really honestly being willing to learn from others and being accepting of new ideas, I was able to open my mind up and start saying that there are things to unpack and that I can be better. Mm -hmm. And once that started happening, it almost becomes like, You want more and more. The healing becomes almost the new addiction because you see that there's a possibility of feeling whole as a human. And that light that shines is is just the most beautiful thing that so many of us miss in this amazing world that we get one chance to live. So I think nature was a big part of it. And then being open to the ideas that others were sharing with me. Yeah. So for our listeners, Eric just described his awakening. And that's really what a true awakening is. Many people don't have what I would, I would describe yours as like a spontaneous awakening, unless I miss something. Was there a precipitous moment where you were like, I am struggling? I don't like, 
how I'm acting or feeling and or my relationships are suffering or was it more of like I just feel called to this work? So I don't think it was like a specific moment in time, but there were emotions that were attached to my behavior. There was a lot of this, and I'm sure you, you've you dug into this egoic self idea, right? This idea that our ego is really how others perceive us. And we start living through those perceptions of what others think. And I realized I was living my entire life through that. And then I was really focused on blaming other people for the way my life was going. This epiphany that happened through just, you know, spending time with myself and meditation gave me this outlook that said, there's a separate self besides my egoic self. That is a construct and that is not who I really am or want to be. And when I had a vision of who I, who I wanted to be, that's when I was able to kind of start moving my way. And what I say to people all the time is we don't head, and you know this better than anyone, we don't head straight up to the top of the mountain and get to bask in the glory. We spend a lot of time in the valley. And then even when we get right to the edge of the top of the mountain, we slide all the way back down into the snowy cold and we have to reclimb our way back up. But that idea of that there is a place where we can be calm and accepting. And I think what's most important is have some emotional stability through the good times and the bad. Mm. That emotional stability to me was like the golden chalice, where there would be some predictability to my behavior, no matter what was going on in my life. And I wanted that predictability for myself and the people that I loved. Oh my goodness. Amazing. So I remember our conversation, one of our many amazing conversations, you were talking about helping children who have learning disabilities to get IEPs and 504s. And over time, you described to me that you really were seeing that it was a family system issue and that mom and dad were also struggling, but also had their own baggage, which we all do, but their own baggage that they were bringing to their child's disability and potential acting out and things like that. And, and that's really how you've branded and created this new work that you're doing. Can you share that with us? Yeah. Yeah. I really look at it as three components for a child to be successful. And yes, I work mostly with kids that have special needs. Um, But a lot of the work I've been doing lately is kids with social emotional issues, not just kids who might be on the autistic spectrum or dealing with ADHD or dyslexia, but kids that are just struggling with life and looking at it, not just at school, but looking at how is, what is going on in your home and what is your communication system at home? And then also what's going on in your community. How are you fitting in in this world? Where is your island of competency? Where do you shine like a diamond? And where can I see that? And if every person, never mind just kids, does not have that, then they need it. And what I realized is that that can't happen just through me going in and getting you the IEP you want. I need to come to the house We need to talk about how we communicate, how we share our love and our thoughts. What is our communication skills? How do we share power with children when that can be a really difficult thing to do? But once you start healing the family, 
then all of the pieces start to come together and the communication shifts, the expectation shift, and people start supporting each other in a way that is less, like I said before, about blaming and shaming and more about growing as a unit together and supporting these humans that we love so much. Agreed. I can share and that resonated with me. Like my whole, I have like goosebumps on my arms because I noticed a huge shift in my relationships with my children when I started to do the work as well. For one, I was able to apologize and own my, and yes. own my part. Yes. Because that, that was not behavior that was demonstrated to me. My mother never apologized to me for anything. No. So for me to show up to my kids and say, oh, I totally messed that up. And I'm really sorry. And, you know, will you forgive me? And can we talk about it? I think that alone is huge. Second, to be able to realize that as parents, we do show up almost to every situation, really with these glasses that we're filtering life through really of our mini traumas and our big traumas. So if we're not doing the work, we can't really observe our own self in these moments. And that's something that you're teaching these parents to do, which is literally God's work and specifically with men. So, you know, yeah. like I said earlier, you know, the women probably are like, oh, okay, yeah, I have some work to do, but the dads are hard to get through to. So tell yep. me a little bit about yep. whether you want to tell us a, yep. a vignette or how do you get through to these guys? And I'm really interested to hear if we have time for you to tell us about these circles that you're doing yep. and the tips in the in the woods. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think all men should be in a men's group. <laughs> I always dream about going back and finding all the kids I grew up with in our town where we both grew up and getting them together and talking about the traumas that we all went through and this this kind of code of silence that we lived under, um, which was that we never share and that everything that we feel we bury and keep to ourselves. So for men, that seems to be a typical kind of way of being raised. And when we do that, what I'll say is, what do you think happens when you tell a boy to hold in a thousand tears or a million tears his whole life when every time he wants to show emotion that you tell him that that's not how a man's supposed to act? Well, what happens is, is that these boys grow up to be explosive men who don't have the skills or what I call the tool belt to handle situations when they come along. Mm -hmm. So for me, I have found that I can communicate best with men around a fire. It tends to trigger a DNA response in men where in the ancient days, all men always met around a fire and had a tribal conversation of sharing with each other their emotions. We are not creatures who were meant to live alone. Mm -hmm. But yet the society that we live in today, particularly for men, says do not share and deal with your traumas by yourself. Well, that leads to explosive behavior, addiction, and just a distance where spouses and children and friends and family, they can't reach you. Mm -hmm. So the work that I'm trying to do is break down some of those barriers and walls in a way that makes men feel like this is not happening too fast and you're not asking them too much. So it requires a deft hand 
and using things that I feel like men can relate to. Like I said, how do we build fires? How do we get back to, you know, our old instincts about archery? And what is the meditative practice? What can we learn through each thing that we do? So a lot of the work that I do feels like survival skills, but it's really wrapped into how do we open up our emotions and how can we share so we can grow and be better for ourselves and those around us. Oh my God, dude. I wish that this podcast could be a double podcast because there is so much here. Mm. The work that you are doing, like literally I have goosebumps on my legs now. It is so meaningful. I, I can't even imagine the ripple effect that not only your impact and your children who will, I mean, it's, it's ancestral healing. It's what you're doing. That's right. That's right. And that is heavy lifting, but it absolutely can be done. If we, yeah. and then there's, and it's never too late. It's, yeah. you can be 70 years old as a parent and you can start your healing then, and it will positively impact your children. Um, and so I, I am totally moved. I am, I am, literally speechless because I am so happy for you that you found your calling mm. and I am so grateful to you for sharing it. So tell us a little bit about how people can find you. How can they get involved with your work? Yeah. So my website, my direct email actually is Eric with a C at rainmakeredu.com, which I'll share with you if you want to share with anybody else. But if you go on there, you can connect with me in a couple weeks. Yeah. In, um, in November, I'll be assisting a men's group program up at Kripalu, which will be a retreat for men to explore the outdoors and to explore themselves. So I'm really excited about that. I'm also connected with a group called Every Man, which, which started in Western Mass. And they run a lot of beautiful free groups and opportunities to just peek into this work without committing and see what it's like. You know, a lot of the guys that come on at the beginning they don't turn on their camera for the first couple times. And, you know, and then eventually they evolve and realize, wow, this is the work that I have been dreaming about that sets me free. Oh my um, God. And, you know, and personally, I see one-on-one -on -one clients and walk with them in the woods and start getting a little opening up time with them. And, and my work also continues on with families, with kids who have special needs, who are struggling in their communication, but also with how is my kid connecting to the outside world and how will they be successful at school? So all of that can be found information on my website or contacting me directly. For sure. Oh That's amazing. Yeah. Is there any last parting words that you want to share with anybody? Anything that you feel like you wanted to say that I didn't cover? Yeah. You know, I, I, I was thinking as I'm looking, I have a quote that hangs over that I share and I read multiple times a day. And I think it's an important point that I'd like to just express to everybody. And it's by Viktor Frankl, um, who wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning, which is a pivotal pivotal book in human growth and development. And what Viktor Frankl said, um, he said, between our stimulus and response, there is space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. And to me, what that means, Ashley, is that between what we think and what we do, there's space. 
And when we are able to, like I say to my kids, like that I work with all the time, stretch your thinking. When we stretch our thinking and give ourselves more time between what we think and what we actually say or do, we have this marvelous ability to control what happens, the outcome, all of a sudden, the trouble and strife that we get into without stretching our thinking starts to fade away. And like he said, in that space between is our human growth and our freedom. Oh my God, yes to all of that. And by the way, when I was listening to you talk about the space in between, that's what I always say to my clients when I'm teaching them meditation, right? Like, first of all, you already know how to meditate. But second of all, it's that space in between your thoughts. That's the sweet spot of calming yeah. your nervous system down, healing your DNA, etc. And then ultimately and eventually that space shows up in your everyday life, not just in your meditations. And you do have the capacity to think before you respond. That's right. It's beautiful. Yeah. This was absolutely amazing i hope i can have you back on again because i know that you know there's more here and the work that you're doing is amazing we will make sure to put links in social media and put them in the show notes too so for everybody to be able to reach out to you and thank you thank you thanks for tuning in to healing conversations a one mission podcast Remember, you're not alone in your healing journey. Many have come before you and many will come after. Everyone has a story. By sharing yours, you heal the world. We're so grateful to our guests for their vulnerability, honesty, and healing vibrations. Cancer can steal a kid's childhood. We help them get it back through programs and activities that foster friendship, fun, and positive distractions from treatment. Whether it's putting on holiday celebrations, providing art and music therapy, or paying for expensive hospital parking, One Mission makes life brighter for children and their families from the moment of diagnosis through treatment and beyond. Follow us on Instagram at One Mission Official and on Facebook at One Mission. Join our mailing list at onemission.org to stay up to date on our news and events. This podcast is sponsored by Provident Healthcare Partners. If you would like to become a part of this podcast, email us at info at onemission.org. To keep this podcast going, please consider a donation to One Mission that will bring programs and services to kids fighting cancer. Text DONATE to 44321. To learn more about my healing journey with chronic pain, overworking, and collapse into migraines, read my book, The Unspoken, available on Amazon. Thanks to our producer, Michael Harmon.